Hello, hello. Welcome back. And thanks for tuning in to our Clubhouse podcast, where we have candid and open conversations about mental health and anything related to it. Our Clubhouse is located in Richmond, BC, where we support people living and recovering from mental illness. You'll be hearing from both members and staff where our thoughts and opinions are our own. I'm Andy, and today you'll be hearing from Daniel, Caitlin, Stuart, and Ash. So today's topic is about depression. Woo! So let's get into it. (laughs) I think that's something that most people have experienced, whether it's in a clinical sense or in a non-clinical sense. So I feel like more people than not have something to say about it. So, um, Stuart, you want to talk a little bit about what uh, you've experienced with depression? What'd you feel? I, um, growing up was a very hard time for me dealing with major depressive disorder because I didn't really have a diagnosis back then and I was harming myself. Mm. And I remember feeling so worthless at age 10 that I would like slash my wrist, but thankfully I wasn't doing it right. So I didn't die. And I think it was a really big eye opener to where my future would go and kind of over time taught me a better understanding about myself and to kind of find more value in who I am as a person and to really have to dig deep into my heart and find out what I'm going to do to get past this to move forward Mm -hmm. another day. Well, that's good. Then I'm glad that you're still here with us. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Ash, what did you experience? Um, I think I first noticed some depression symptoms when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really started with um, kind of body image and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that you go through as a preteen girl. Mm-hmm. Just kind of went from there. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that ends up being a very common age, unfortunately, for anxiety and depression to begin or to be diagnosed is quite young which is it's a very sad reality yeah yeah Daniel um I didn't really feel like I had depression when I first started out like mm-hmm. I wasn't very I was a very uh like active kid when I'm growing up mm-hmm. it just um uh, just like when I tried to do my best for something growing up like parents people around you mm-hmm. uh they would always like put me down mm-hmm. And that ended up kind of me um, kind of like having negative thoughts about why I can't do things that other people can. Right. And then comparing yourself. Yeah, I was always right. comparing myself to like, my brothers or, oh. or like other kids in school. And uh, I had troubles like, uh, like I felt like I knew what I was doing right. Mm-hmm. But others were basically telling me I was doing things wrong. When in reality, it was actually the opposite. But when you're a kid, you, you can't you don't really know if you're right or wrong because like someone who's older than you is telling you that you're doing something wrong is like you start to believe them because I'm older than you. They're so, authority position. Yeah, too. when someone is in an authority position, like someone who's younger, you know, even though I might be showing authority to them, they then like kind of use their, either their age or how, like whatever they do to like suppress them. And right. that started my like depression basically. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. Yeah. It, there's always like a triggering event that starts that first episode in that. Yeah. And it's, it's, all, it's often quite young, like we were talking about. It's interesting you say that because I find like um, when you're going through something and somebody's just like telling you you're wrong all the time, it's very hard to like not, like it's hard to not go through that more because mm-hmm. you're being 
put down all the time and I could just imagine how difficult that'd be for you having to deal with that all the time never really thought of that before but I around 12 I was grounded almost every month for about a year and I was constantly told that I was doing everything wrong and until you said that I didn't click that that happened around the same time that I felt depression symptoms so yeah that's an interesting that happened to me too (laughs) oh no (laughs) I that's exactly what happened to me around that age too there's other other things I can get into later but yeah that's that's a that's a revelation yeah are we doing therapy (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin how about you um my depression or at least somewhat depression I mainly have general anxiety disorder that started way before I got depression I think about 12 13 when that started but depression really started for me like I think 16 but it got really bad when I graduated high school I think I noticed at 16 I thought I was a very hormonal and very emotional person I thought that what I was feeling it's like it, it wasn't really I didn't think it was depression at the time I thought I was just very sensitive and did things just getting to me but it was just mainly yeah because I was I always been a loner at school and I think I just felt lonely and like I felt no one liked me but it was on my head because people I remember students did talk to me and stuff occasionally sat with me at lunch but like I thought part of me think oh they just do because they feel bad they're just the pitting it's like a pity thing and they're not doing because they want to be friends with me so so I just I just felt lonely and that turned depression and then yeah when I graduated high school I was depressed because well, I wasn't working and I had to find a job and then go to school, find a cut like post-secondary, like what I want to do. Just and, the overwhelming amount of stuff. Yeah, and I just felt very, just... yeah, I just felt very isolated too because my anxiety was severe. And then like depression was there too. So I was getting isolated myself for two reasons because I'm anxious talking to people, just anxious doing anything outside my house yeah. and depressed thinking like, no one's going to like me. I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going to get it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do any. I was like, I'm not gonna go to post-secondary, I'm not gonna get accepted. I don't even know what I want to do. <laughs> but now I do, but that's it's been it took me a long time to realize what I want to do for post-secondary. But at that time, 18, 19, until I didn't get diagnosed with anything until 21. Wow. Yeah, so it's a lot of like internal thoughts. Yeah, just a lot of like making self-esteem was kind of low and yeah just just feeling like yeah I'm not good enough so that I think depression hand in hand, right like the self-esteem yeah. and anxiety and depression all kind of goes hand in hand I know for me personally it was around 11 10 ish that it started and I know my inciting incident was um a supposed quote-unquote friend publicly breaking up with me in front of our entire class oh, saying oh. that she didn't want to be my friend anymore and immediately went off to be with the other friend that we had in our friend group. And after that, I started isolating myself thinking like, well, no one wants to be my friend then. So then I had no friends for a long time. I sat with teachers instead of my, instead of kids my age at lunch. Um, I remember classes were the best time because I didn't have to worry about figuring out who to talk to. And then, yeah, definitely self-esteem was, ooh, lower than rock bottom like I had no self-esteem so I remember that was that was pretty rough and that was I don't know about you guys but I know I've had different episodes of depression one was that first that was my first one and then later on was 
first year of university. <laughs> that was a rough, oh. a rough year. <laughs> That's interesting you say that because I remember what both of you said, actually, Caitlin and you, Andy. Mm -hmm. So I remember in high school, like when I was going through my depression and self-harm and my mom abusing me, it's like I was hanging around all these people involved in crime or that new people involved in crime and you at the time you're going through your episode or your depression and I think you know like finally somebody wants to be my friend they like me but really they're just dragging me down and it's interesting so I've had to learn that like it's more at least to me and I don't want to speak for our people but sometimes better to have le like less friends who are closer than a bunch that aren't as close and I kind of I would just want to say like as though we've all gone through these experiences I truly believe it adds like character to who we are yeah. and kind of helps us like understand ourselves better and it's not fun going through it but there's like people out there that we can relate to we just don't always see it or have it in front of oh. us you know what what you just said is exactly what my mom used to say to me when I was <laughs> when I had no friends she'd just be like yeah like I'd rather have one really good friend or no friends at this point then have a bunch of friends that aren't good to you i found the whole friend situation really challenging around that time for me because i was honestly grounded for almost an entire year mm -hmm. so i didn't actively try to make friends because i knew i couldn't hang out with them mm -hmm. but my mom always was like you need to be popular why why aren't you friends with popular people why don't you have more friends and it was like but I can't hang out with them. So what's the point? And it was yeah. this like weird kind of catch 22 of like, you can't do anything, but why aren't you doing anything? Right. And it was a really confusing position at that age. Yeah. And also imposing a standard on you that it's not achievable to begin with. That makes you feel like you're not good enough. Yeah. It's like, you're basically set up for failure. Yeah. So. Already. Well, it's sad too. Cause like, I think like when you're put in a position like that, you're kind of forced to not be allowed to be truly who you are. You're in a position where you're being told or being in a situation where you may, like somebody may feel they have to act differently, which like in the end, like plays more into our emotions. And I'm sorry you had to deal with that. You turned out to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. Daniel, do you have uh, any similar sort of experiences maybe with friends, isolation? Yeah, experiencing um, depression kind of thing. Uh, growing up, um, you know, I wear glasses, and I was really, I was right now. I, I, I'm tall, but when I was growing up, I was short. Mm. And my mom used to dress me up like she used to like dress me up like in suits and stuff mm. for school, and and like kids like that didn't like they thought it was weird. So um, I was very quiet, a uh, very quiet uh, guy, like with people. But like when I'm alone or when I'm with people that I'm good with, I'm like active and happy and stuff and I don't know why but when I was growing up um when I was just minding my business you know like in the playground on the monkey bars or like playing sports or like doing my own thing like I always had people just come up to me people were older than me like if I was like grade one a grade four a grade four would come up and start bullying me for no reason oh. and what ended up happening is like the, the normal thing would you would do is cry and then go tell the teacher right but for me I was very like I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like how other people disrespected me that way. So I would actually fight back oh. and it ended up, it ended up turning to be like, I was the bully. Oh. I ended up being looking like the bully. 
And then I would always be like punished by like teachers and I would be sent into office because they're like the way I treated that person, right? Because I, I didn't really know how to express my emotions at the time because my English wasn't really good when I was growing up because I was always bouncing around between French and Russian and like, like Hebrew. And like my parents were always like, um, you know, uh, like other teachers would say like, oh, Daniel's having issues with, you know, with English, he doesn't understand other kids. But in reality, it was actually um, the kids bullying me because they're bad people. And then like they were improperly uh, trained to, you know, uh, hang out with other kids. Right. And then they, look, they looked at me as a victim. So they attacked me because they thought it would be funny because maybe they were going through something that I didn't know about. And then end up what ended up happening was that I would make it 10 times worse for them and then I would feel bad. And then I would like, basically, um, I tried to always avoid everybody because I didn't feel like, I felt like every time I was with people, like something bad always happened. Right. So I always try to, I always try to be like left alone so that no one would get hurt. Because like once, once my like anger and stuff kicks in, then like I become basically like, like wild. And basically right. I, I won't stop until that person understands what he has done to me. Right. And so if, as a, as a kid it's fine like when you're a kid it's just like you know someone punches you punch your back and he cries it goes but it builds up over time right like uh as you get older you can't really do that anymore right if someone hurts your feelings you can't just go and punch them uh, so that, I, that wouldn't be ideal no yeah so what i so what i what i used to do is i used to like suppress my feelings instead of like let, telling somebody i'll just keep it all in and that's i think one of the big issues i had growing up is that i was holding in my emotions so what I started doing is that when I'm feeling upset, I, I like, I try to think about it and then I would like either tell somebody or like write it down uh, because when you write it down, all those emotions kind of disappear because your emotions are not real. They're just like something you've created for yourself. And so this is what I learned for myself is that like emotions are just something you've uh, created for yourself from what you experience. And then your mind plays loops around it until you calm down. And if you, if you actually write it down and you look at it from a different perspective later on, you realize it's actually no big deal. And it's like, you can learn from it. But if you keep holding in your mind and keep telling yourself the thing, it, it makes it worse and worse. And if so you ruminate it. Yeah, if you keep ruminating it, then the, the depression, like make it, live, it then becomes depression because it just keeps uh, using all your mental energy trying to fix you're that. you're piling on, on, on yeah, and not actually piling. doing anything about it. Exactly. Fair enough. That's interesting you say that because I've had similar experiences in school going to McNeil where people would attack me or they'd want to fight me or get attacked in the hall. And it's weird because like you don't have to be a violent person to react in a way. And when you're being like bullied all the time, it's like, I know when I was dealing with that, it was like as if going through depression at the same time, I felt like I was trapped in the corner yeah. and there's no like a wall behind you and you have nowhere to go but forward. And it's like when you're younger and when I was 13 and however old you were, we don't always think that this reaction may not be the best choice, but when you're being ostracized and going through depression and put down all the time and bullied and people attacking you, it's like eventually, Comes normal. You comes normal, and you feel like you have no other choice but to defend yourself, mm. even if it's not the right way. And I think sometimes a lot of these people that bully other people are really 
victims of being abused at home or treated that and their way of dealing with is to victimize other people sometimes it's scary really and when you're young you don't really understand their point of view yeah because you don't understand why is he bullying me why is he not bullying some other yeah well you see it just from what you think it is like you see it at that face value right you don't see it for what it could possibly be at home yeah yeah, the isolation was like a i guess either a byproduct of depression or a starter to depression i guess what uh, do you guys remember what symptoms you felt like what is something you might have felt when you were in a depressive episode caitlin what were some of the symptoms you felt i guess when you were in a depression i guess not really leaving my bed well like sleeping in but it wasn't because i was tired just i just didn't care about so doing anything exhaustion. yeah it's just like i just don't care what's the point getting up and doing anything that's not i have nothing to do um that's when i graduated high school i just was like what's the point um i've been in high school i think the last couple years it's just more like i don't know i just felt lonely well did i feel lonely i didn't mind not having friends because i was scared making friends but I'm, i was scared embarrassed myself or getting people finding out my flaws with it using that to tease me so I didn't mind being alone but I guess I don't know I just felt just down a lot unmotivated to do anything low energy yeah pretty much yeah that makes sense I think it makes you feel like you don't want to do anything right yeah I think a lot of people might have experienced something similar I feel like that's very common with depression is that how you felt Stuart what did how did you feel when you were depressed like symptom wise oh gosh like uh worthless like chronic pain Mm -hmm. like uh self-harm mixed with anger mixed with like kind of um thinking my behavior was normal and really it wasn't normal behavior and just I hate using that word normal but my behavior wasn't correct for my Mm -hmm. situation like places I was in and I think just a mixture of things really yeah uh, yeah it doesn't affect everyone the same that's for sure uh, it was like a whole bundle of reactions to yeah. it really daniel do you remember what other than you know of course isolation and stuff um i felt like i always had like this like weird like cloud feeling against my head yeah i felt like i was being always pushed down yeah. basically like anything i try to do play sports go walk around think it just always felt like like my forehead someone's like pushing down and oh like you know like yeah it felt like it was always dark and like even if it's sunny like my head would always feel like it wants to go down and not look at look, look not look up it's always feel like it's, I'm being pushed to the ground basically oh, it's awful. and I felt like it just felt like you know it just felt like I had like rocks like I'm carrying like, like right. a bag full of rocks and you're just like walking on walking with like so much weight on your shoulders that makes total sense yeah um actually kind of similar to that Mm -hmm. um I mean I whenever I've experienced depression I've always felt really hopeless Mm -hmm. um but the way that it always presented in my mind was that I was in a pool Mm -hmm. and my head was above water and then these things would happen that would just push me and push me and push me until I could no longer hold my head above water Mm -hmm. and then after the depression passed I kind of felt like I surfaced again and could breathe properly right so it it had physical manifestations as well and it just the analogy of of just kind of barely holding your head above water really worked for how i was experiencing it to visualize it better and understand why you were experiencing it yeah that's really interesting i've never thought of it that way 
I think for me, same as most of us here, like extremely low energy. I used to love, I mean, I love baking, but I could not bring myself to even do that. And that is something I really enjoy. So loss of interest, you know, um, isolation, like all of us, I didn't bother making friends. I barely went out, even in university. Like I, I was, I had to be dragged out by Janine once actually. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, Janine had to actually like find her way into my building and be like, nope, you're coming out with me because I was just going to sit down and watch a show with me by myself again you didn't buzz her right nope oh my gosh it's it well i mean building as in like it was university dorm oh it's not that secure (laughs) they don't pay it they're not they're not that safe um but yeah i remember yeah absolutely no energy not wanting to go out and also it was like a weird combination of not sleeping very well like i'd stay up till like 3 a.m almost every night but then i wouldn't want to do anything for the rest of the day i'd still i'd sleep in it was like a yeah awful cycle that first year was not a good year for me but um glad it's gone now (laughs) with how we felt and stuff do you guys remember what helped you talking to someone talking to someone did did it matter who um just someone that I knew I was safe with whether that be a professional or a close friend or family member yeah that makes a lot of sense and how do they react normally whenever they I mean, mostly concerned, but supportive. And sometimes I feel like just saying to someone that you're struggling can be helpful Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like this secret that you have. Mm -hmm. And once you let someone in on it, it's like, well, now maybe I can do something about it Mm -hmm. because it's not just me involved now. It's like you open the floodgates. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. And it's like, like, this is real. Maybe this person can be my ladder. Yeah. Out of this pool. Yeah. I like that. Again, with the pool analogy, I like it. What about you, Daniel? Um, Well, I really really didn't know I had depression until um, recently. So this whole time, like, I thought it was normal to feel that way. But um, what I think, after I got better, like, after I got the proper help from somebody, Mm -hmm. um, basically just focusing on, like, focusing on things I want to do. Like, before, I was always... um, been told what to do right. by other people so like be able to do what I want to do what Daniel wants to do right take charge of yeah take yourself. charge of what I want to do in my life not great not somebody else um so like I like like a year ago I was really really like overweight so instead of just like asking somebody I, I, I like took charge and uh you know wanted to improve my life by working out even though it was hard when I was feeling that way I, I just pushed through it because I knew because uh, when you first start doing something you don't really feel the benefits yeah. because because of how you're feeling but I, I noticed that when you when I did like meditation and um, I did meditation I did I started working out doing some some sort of sport mm-hmm. something kind of kind of going back to my childhood something that I really like to do right um, so I kind of like went back to those roots and kind of found something that I like to do and just focus on that and not really worry about anything other than what I'm doing at that moment. That's really great. Yeah. You took charge and you made sure that you were happy. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, and that's not easy either. Like I know for me, like (laughs) working out is really hard when I'm not motivated. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to you. Caitlin, what did you do? Do you remember what you did to kind of help? 
I talked to my mom. That's the only person. Yeah, she's the one I always kind of, I felt the way I felt before I got diagnosed. I've talked to my mom. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's all I really did. I can't think of anything that would help. Because um, I didn't know I had depression, but I just talked to her when I was feeling down, unmotivated. I think that's all I did because she really helped me out when I just talked to her about my anxieties and when I was feeling depressed, but I didn't know. I just felt so down and Mm -hmm. unmotivated so yeah I talked to my mom well yeah. that's great though it's just like Ash was saying just having someone to listen right is mm -hmm. is so important so it makes you feel like you're not completely alone in this <laughs> and if you don't have a person that you feel comfortable talking to or you're not ready yet I think a good first step is journaling mm -hmm. and I know some people kind of shy away from that word because of what they think it means but it can be making a video mm -hmm. it can be just writing down the thoughts that are in your head right then there it can be one sentence it can be know? bullet points yeah it like doesn't it, have to be like a yeah. well thought out yeah it's not an essay no no one's grading you on it <laughs> yeah so any way that you can get it out if it's just to yourself or if it's to someone else yeah i think just getting it out of you mm -hmm. makes a big difference so making it a reality yeah it's like you're accepting that it's happening yeah. when you can be like, this is what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like yeah, if it's, if you keep it, if you don't actually say something about it, it festers. Does. It does. And, you know, and like Dana was saying, you ruminate about it and then you start thinking, is this even real? Am I making this up? <laughs> like, and then it makes you feel even worse. It turns into Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. <laughs> Jeez. Stuart, what did you do? Uh, well, kind of, um, most of my teenage life and childhood, I didn't really deal with things healthy. Yeah. I kind of was like doing drugs or like being on probation or foster care and drinking a lot. So it took me up until five years ago to really like, um, understand myself better enough to give myself help and having to go to the hospital. I think what helped me the most was just being open-minded about mental health and not being so worried about what people will think about me or what is this gonna kind of allowing worrying about what people think about me instead of caring for my own health over yeah. what somebody thinks absolutely and I think the best thing I did was just kind of stay on extended leave longer than I needed to voluntarily and just stay on that until I knew I could take care of myself where I'm not going to end up back in the hospital. Yeah. Really listen to your body. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important. I think a lot of us push ourselves to a point where we don't, don't, we don't actually think about what's going on and that ends up being a lot worse for us. Right. Sure. So the fact that you were is, I mean, eventually now yeah. taking care of yourself is great. Yeah. So I know, and I know for a lot of people too, counseling uh, has been a huge help, right? I know for me, my mom, because she's she studied these kinds of things too. Same as Caitlin, uh, I talked to my mom about it when I when I was like at my worst kind of thing. It's so hard to push yourself to actually go and do something. So again, Daniel, amazing. <laughs> That's really hard to do. So talking to my mom, I know when I was. 10, 11 kind of thing. That was huge. She was like my, sounds really sad, my only friend at that point. <laughs> so having someone who also knew and understood mental health and mental illness and all that kind of stuff was a huge help too, because it felt validating. It wasn't just kind of like being like, oh, well, you know, just go take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried yoga? <laughs> Have you tried smiling more? <laughs>
you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that's also an important thing I think is to to like maybe try and find someone that you like Ash said, someone that you feel safe with, someone that you know will actually be validating and want to help you. My mom's uh, reaction when I got like depressed or hurting myself was, "Stop being sensitive. Go have a cigarette." Oh my goodness. <laughs> Okay, so maybe not the greatest coping mechanism. <laughs> no, so obviously now you have better ones. Yeah, it took a while, but now I do. Yeah. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, coming here probably has also yeah. helped a bit. Being around people, not being isolated. That's true. Not to put words in your mouth, but that's true. Exactly. <laughs> We're happy that you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I feel like when you've isolated yourself your entire life, or during those depressive episodes, being around people. Even if you don't want to socialize, just being in an environment where you feel safe around people can be really helpful for a lot. Any other thoughts about things that helped? Uh, yeah, I have, I have one thing that I think would help a lot of people who are, who are going through uh, depression. Oh, yeah. Is um, you got to let go of the past, like whatever happened to you in the past. Mm-hmm. You just have to say it happened. Mm-hmm. It's gone. And that, that, that's not you. You know, that, that was a part of you at one point of your life, but mm-hmm. that's gone now. And like, your your best thing to do is just like forgive yourself like don't worry about other people don't worry about what happened forgive yourself for being in that situation and learn from it by tell like by learning from it by basically telling yourself tomorrow i'm gonna start a better day i'm gonna do stuff that i want to do i'm not gonna worry about anyone else but myself you gotta be selfish for yourself because if you don't get if you don't get better, then you can't help anyone around you, right? When you, if you get out of it, then like someone who's who you're dealing with, like the, someone you have a friend, he's going through some stuff, you're able to help him. And when you help other people with the same problem, you then feel better that that you're improving and you're helping somebody else get better as well. Words of wisdom. Paying it forward. <laughs> yeah, right? you're paying you're paying forward because life teaches you things, and once you learn them. It's always it's always good to give back because the more you give, the more you're gonna get back from other people. And it's it's surprising to see when the stuff that you do for other people, like how much more you get back and how much more you experience life and their experiences make your life better. And then you start you start to see the world as actually a, a giving and better place because of like because of, of who you are. That's a lovely tip. That's very right, true. Caitlin, do you have any tips for someone that might have gone through or might be going through something like this? I guess for me, I, I, I was in between doctors when I got diagnosed and stuff. And I just mm-hmm. went and found a, a GP who was looking for patients. And I told her how I felt. And my mom got her at the same time. And I was like, I think I have what my mom has. And yeah, just talk to a professional sometimes and they can get you help and mm-hmm. get therapy one-on-one. Out, group, yeah, group th- I find group therapy, was re- group therapy was really helpful for me. Awesome. But everybody's different. I know some one-to-one therapy is also really great for people. Mm-hmm. So just talk to a professional if you feel like friends and family don't understand you mm-hmm. or you feel like they don't understand you and you just want to talk to someone who actually is almost like a non-biased point of view. Yeah. I find a professional is really great for having a non-bias because they don't know you personally. They only know what you tell them. Yeah. I, part of that, I, I like that because they could tell you what you need to do and help you out so it's using objectivity mm-hmm. yeah i like that reach out very important people but reach out to the right people find people who actually wanting to help you not not the ones you just tell them how you feel and they just kind of say we'll give you generic actually people who, who, want, who want who wants to help you absolutely like, because like if you're gonna spend your energy with people who don't want to help you then it's you're gonna feel like 
you're just circling back and forth with what you're going through. And that's important too. Like that's a very good point because even with medical professionals, you have to shop around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You you might not fit with this specific, let's say, psychologist, yeah. and that's okay. You know, like if it doesn't work, then it's not it's not going to be helpful for you. So you move on. You find someone else that will. So it's not one size fits all. Um, I think as far as tips go, I would say that um, even when it seems so pitch black that there can't possibly be a light at the end of the tunnel, there is. It's, it's there. Mm -hmm. You're going to find it. You just have to go through this first, which sucks. Yeah. And find people or things that make you want to keep going. Yeah. So just pick something you love. Pick something in your life that you're like, yeah, I want to keep doing this because of that, whether it's your sister or your niece or <laughs> just find something Anything to small, keep you going even if it's no matter how small it is mr farnsworth the kitty cat of course <laughs> if your cat makes you happy you do I, that i don't actually have a cat then you need a cat I, my mom won't get one i've been i've been telling her for months we're getting the norwegian forest cat, I remember the norwegian forest <laughs> yeah. cat. do you have any tips to it they both pretty much said what I wanted to say. I'm actually pretty much worded it up uh, very well, I think. Sorry. So I'm going to leave it to the Daniel and Ash to give the tips. I really agree with what they had to say. That's great. That's yeah. Very valuable yeah. To say. yeah. I think I'm going to take this tip from Ash from uh, your interview, actually, that it's temporary. Things will pass. But like you said, it will suck for a bit. You have to get through it, but it will pass eventually. It'll ebb and flow, but there will be there, there will be some even when it feels like there won't be exactly. There's been times for I'm sure every one of us has experienced times where you're like, this couldn't possibly get better. Yeah, but it does. Yeah, I mean, we're all here today, and I think that's what's the most important. I'm very happy that we're all here. Mm -hmm. There are anything that any of you learned from these experiences any last sort of one thing i've learned is not to give up we life's a roller coaster and we never know which way to which way life will turn and sometimes we have a wall in front of us and i learned this while on probation from one of the staff at the detention center when i was there for four months for breach of curfew mm -hmm. and he was kind of explained to me that right now i have a wall in front of my face and we can't always go through that wall and we have to find a way around it, beside it, up or under it. Mm -hmm. And that there's always a way around something. We just have to not give up and keep moving forward. And it might be bad now, but it could get better in the future. I like it. There's going to be a way eventually. Daniel? Um, what did I learn from this experience? Yeah. Um, I learned that when you this is one, one big thing I learned because um, especially people who are going through depression, they rely on like substances like drugs and uh, they find things to like make them feel better from what they're feeling. Um, what I learned is that, and this is a big thing because I have a lot of friends who are still depressed because they're not following this tip, mm. which is basically if you're on any medication, right? If you're taking medication for antidepressants or you're taking anxiety, uh, try to avoid doing marijuana or any type of substances because they do um, like connect together and they make sure to make it kind of, it kind of numbs you basically the medication and the drugs, they, they numb you 
But when you get off, like if you go to sleep or whatever, then the next time it gets worse. That feeling of, of whatever you're feeling, it's mm -hmm. going to build up, be worse and worse. You're basically pushing yourself more and more down instead of going up. Uh, so well, that's why I learned. I, I used to think like, oh, if I, if I do weed, I feel fine. But uh, and I was doing other medications. All it did was basically fake the illusion that I'm better. But in reality, it's, it's, it just made it worse. So take care of yourself for not abusing substances. Yeah. So, not gonna make you yeah, so I know it's hard. Yeah, you have to be careful with interactions for sure. Talk yeah. to your doctors, everyone. Caitlin, um, anything you learned from your experience? Um, what I did learn, like certain things did trigger my, um, like when I started getting depressed, it was around the time when I was 16 when my family cat passed away. So it could have been like a trigger or a trauma incident that kind of pushed my depression a bit more because I used to just come home, love my cat, and make me happy. And then that family cat passed away. Mm -hmm. Then we didn't get a cat or two. We got two cats like two years later, I think it was. So for about two years, the last two years of high school, I was, it was the summer before grade 11 when I lost my family cat. So the last two years of high school, it's like, there's no cat at home. Mm -hmm. so it's just like oh so I'm like okay I, I always had my mom which helped but like and then my anxiety started because right before high school uh I was scared like I don't have friends I gotta look I could figure out either make friends before I get into high school or when I get into high school so when I'm 12 or 13 I'm like trying to and then even then all through high school my anxiety never went away I was like I need to make friends I don't have friends but the but I was also scared of like making myself look stupid mm -hmm. saying the wrong thing and people are gonna find my flaws and pick on that mm -hmm. so I learned that like those certain incidents kind of made my made me have anxiety and depression mm -hmm. but I but I'm glad I got like help at 21 because if I just let it progress yeah uh, it wouldn't be really bad um but yeah I, I guess never. <laughs> yeah I'm glad I wish I got help a little earlier and found pathways a little bit earlier but whatever happened <laughs> I found pathways eventually they're here now <laughs> exactly yeah it took about three or four years I think it was 24 when I joined the pathways Ooh. or 20 so I'm happy that you joined and that we got yeah. to meet you and that you're here with us even so. if it's virtually <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Ash anything that you learned um yeah I think one of the biggest things I learned is people want you to lean on them more than you think. Mm. So you might feel like you're a huge burden, but the special people in your life want to be there for you. Yeah. They want to help hold you up during that time. And that your mind will trick you into thinking they don't. Yeah, that is incredibly accurate. Thank you. Thank you everyone for sharing. Um, I know this is a little bit of a difficult topic. To, to talk about and even remember mm. it's not a it's a pretty difficult time that we went through you know mm. so I appreciate everyone sharing and being so open um so I think we'll uh, we'll end it off there for this podcast thank you again Daniel thank you for joining us for your first podcast with us thanks You're guys yeah. and um yeah so thanks again for joining us and make sure to check us out on our Instagram at yapsagram with two y's so we'll see you next time bye